even if you have a garden, the world changes so quickly. Look at all of the um, railroad developments with these yeah. chemicals in the sky, it messes up the water, the soil, even the animals. It's like you can have all of that and then this happens. <laughs> like, hey everybody, welcome to episode 98 of For the Love of Guns. Thanks for joining Team Banch today as we talk about prepping with Carbon Q. Now Carbon Q is a single mom and she's a prepper and she breaks the stereotypical mold of preppers are, well, typically men. She's got some great content and she's got some great guests on her show. And she's currently on a hiatus as so she's dealing with some personal things, but she's getting ready to enter back into the YouTube world. And I think you're going to like her content. Now, before we talk to Carbon Q, it's time to pay the bills. And this episode is brought to you by Falco Holsters. Look, these Falco Holsters, they're my go-to holsters. I love leather holsters. And this cheetah, this is a really cool concept where you have a level two retention holster in leather. I mean, this one is for my Glock 26. I also have one for my SIG P220. Definitely check out Falco holsters because they can make a holster for any budget, every gun, without sacrificing quality. Use the checkout code Banshee to save yourself 10% on your order. I have a link down in the description. Now, this is also brought to you by Ammo Squared. Look, you can't have a gun without ammo and expect it to be, well, a useful tool. Ammo Squared gives you the ability to stockpile ammo in an off-site location. And what's great about it is, is you can buy just a little bit. You can have them just pull like 20 bucks a week out of your checking account and then put it in ammo. Now, what happens if you buy, say, a bunch of nine millimeter, but now suddenly you need some 45? No problem. You can exchange your ammo. So you can turn that nine millimeter into 45 and then pull it out. Check out Ammo Squared. I have a link down in the description below. Now, with the bills paid, let's talk to Carbon Q. Carbon, tell me about your love of guns. Hi everybody, I'm Carbon Q, um, everyday citizen. <laughs> Let's see, I'm into uh, prepping. I love everything about prepping. And I am also a gun enthusiast. Um, prepping, firearms, gardening all go together. So it was just an avenue just to head down to. Um, I'm learning as I go and uh, that's about it. <laughs> now, how long have you been going into the prepping life? Um, when the pandemic hit and we were fighting over toilet paper, I have to honest, that That's is what you like, <laughs> America is fighting over toilet paper. Something is wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> something is wrong. Yeah, something is wrong. <laughs> it's funny because everybody that I talk to that's in the in the you know the prepping world yeah. is they always have the you know it's very few of them are born into it. Mm -hmm. Everybody has an awakening moment. It's always fun yeah. to find out what that awakening moment is. <laughs> um, and it, it's funny because now, because of you know the pandemic, yeah, it, a lot of people have said pretty much the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. If if it's not toilet paper, it's paper towels, mm -hmm. or it's um, you know suddenly you can't get meat. You know, they started realizing that something something's wrong here. Yes. <laughs> and and it's just like you don't go into a store and just like, okay, well you're out. Hey, can you get some from the back? There's no back of the store. Nope, it's gone. 
and then the limitations like you can only have one pack and you're you have a house of yeah. eight people you're like what <laughs> so four rolls in here <laughs> yeah yeah we, do you do you know how much we go through right <laughs> it's something so small but you don't realize the importance of it until after i remember um i remember as a kid um well a kid being a teenager um so yeah we were talking offline i grew up just outside of philly uh, we moved down to Maryland and, you know, it, it, down in Maryland, they really don't know how to drive in snow. Right. <laughs> and so the joke was, is that any time they talk about snow down there was mm -hmm. it became the, bro the the milk, bread and toilet paper alert. Right. Because everybody went to everybody went to the store to buy mm -hmm. milk, bread and toilet paper for the snowstorm that's coming. Well, right. Right. And that was, you know, as a kid, I just always thought that was kind of funny. Um, but, you know, growing up as, a, you know, going into adulthood, mm -hmm. you just, you, you start, you start thinking about things, right? <laughs> um, so, and we used to say that you would buy, you would buy the uh, toilet paper because it used to be the milk, bread and peanut butter alert. And then they changed it to the milk, bread and toilet paper alert because, if you ran out of toilet paper, guess what you're using the bread for, right? right. <laughs> you, you, want to, you want to make sure you want to make sure you're covered everywhere, right? right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, I'm going to jump into a little segment we call Ask the AI. Okay. So I ask ChatGPT three questions. Okay. And I'm going to have you kind of guess what you think the question should be because you're actually the expert in the AI. <laughs> okay. Kind of gets kind of gets it right, sometimes gets it wrong, and sometimes it fails spectacularly. Okay. So I asked <laughs> uh, I asked ChatGPT a question of um, first of all, asking it about preppers alone, it it came up with I assume you're referring to preppers who prepare for emergency situations. So it did. It was clarifying exactly what I was talking about because when I asked it first time, it actually auto-corrected pre uh, preppers to preparers. Okay. <laughs> and, and I was like, no, no, no. I had to put it in quotes, right? Um, anyways, it says, as an AI language, I don't have the ability to observe or make generalizations specific to groups of people. However, it's worth noting that prepping, like many other fields, may have cultural or sociological norms that could limit participation to, of certain groups, including women. So the question I asked it was, is why don't we see more women in the prepping community? Mm. Why would you think that women is an underrepresented demographic in the prepping community? It's kind of, um, to me, it, it's like a oversight where uh, when you see a lot of prepping, it's outdoors, it's camping, it's um, going solo, it's a lot of manual labor, a lot of hunting, a lot of male-dominated um, activities in which they don't associate a lot of women with when women have been doing that for um, Cavemen don't. Yeah, I was you've been, really you've been doing it ever ever since men has been outside, you know, clubbing things over the head with a you know for food. <laughs> women have been right there with it, right? Right there. We all had jobs, and um, the, when you link the two of them together, you know, it just produced 
food, warmth, shelter, you know, whether it's the male or the female going out, um, you just work together as a community. And but basically it, stereotypical, right? I mean, right, it's kind right, of typical. <laughs> so, so when it came up with, it's possible that the person, the, nah, I can talk today, the, the participation <laughs> of, of prepping is a masculine pursuit would could discourage some women for, uh, for participating or seeking out information about it. However, there are certainly many women who are active in the prepping community and who take steps to prepare themselves and their families for emergencies. Absolutely. Because, I mean, if you think about it, even if you go into the typical gender roles, mm-hmm. you know, the stereotypical gender roles, you know, the guy's out getting a job, the woman's staying home. Right. They're, you think about it, they're taking care of stuff at home. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I, know, I, I know some people who, you know, are older now that are, you know, like in their 80s where the guy doesn't even know how to write a check. Exactly. That's what the woman. Yeah. Yeah. The woman is the being a homemaker, staying at home, it's looked at as um, not really a job. But it is. Yeah. A, it is a job. From the time you wake up, you're tending to your husband or your significant other, your spouse. Then it's the children. Then it's just getting the day started: lunch, breakfast, dinner. It's the running around, getting things that need to be done, picking kids up from school. There's you know activities after school calling the hubby or the wife, making sure they're good, um, checking on your parents, whoever else, and, you know, whatever other other activities your kids may have, PTA, you know, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, whatever. There's so much that uh, a house person that stays home, I don't want to say housewife because, you know, yeah. roles change now, but um, there's so much for one person to do, and especially when you're responsible for other lives or even pets. You know, you got to walk them, you got to do all kinds of stuff with them. They're just like children. It's looked at um, as, you know, oh, you know, that's what women do, but times are changing. Well, and mm-hmm. I always talk to my, my wife. Now she has her own business. She does she does her own thing. Plus she does the stuff of the house. Mm-hmm. And I've always joked around with her, going, I would take my job any day of the week over hers, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Because she's got, she, she takes care of the bills. Um, you know, we're, if, if, if I'm busy at work, you know, I got phone calls and stuff. She's the one that's got to call someone to work on the house. Yep. Uh, she's got to deal with all that crap. Yeah. Where, <laughs> where my job is almost my escape, right? Right. <laughs> it's she true. doesn't get that. Yeah, no. And then if she's looking tired or raggedy, it's like, oh, you know, you're not keeping yourself up. You're like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I had to deal with today? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Get a whole marble stuck up his nose. <laughs> like, <what do> you <laughs> mean? <laughs> oh. And then um the next thing I asked it is, is if someone's interested in becoming a prepper and prepping for emergencies, um, where would they start? I would say do some research first because um, that's what I did. Um, I didn't even know about prepping. I went online and I was like, you know, <laughs> you know, how do you how do you go about um, stocking piles for you know your home? Because when the pandemic happened, we had a slight lockdown. And I was yep. like, I'm looking at my parents' um, place, and I'm like, wait, 
you guys don't have enough food if you guys have to yeah. go and they eat a lot because they take medication so I was like, oh, this is crazy. And then um, going to the store was hardly enough things there to stock yeah. up. So I said, okay. And then I, I came across, the first person I came across was actually Canadian Prepper, which led me to Angry Prepper. <laughs> and then <laughs> I just put in Prepper and then like all these people started coming up. So it was like a smorgasbord of people. So I'm just like, wow, this is a lot. And I just sat like almost for a year and just watched, watched, watched. And I just... It's like, okay, oh, that's how you do that. Oh, that's what it was a whole brand new world that's, to me. I had no when idea. When you suddenly learn about copy canning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you're like, and you're like, wow, that's such a simple concept, but right. you, you never thought about it before, right? Never, never thought about and for, it. And for those in the audience who have no idea what I'm talking about, so copy canning is is Let's just say you have a can, uh, a can of Campbell's tomato soup mm -hmm. and you use that one can. When you go back to the store, you buy two. Mm -hmm. And then when you use one, you go back, you buy two more. Right. Mm -hmm. So that way you keep on stocking up and then you rotate your, through your stock. Um, and it's so it's such a simple concept, but you, you've never thought about it before. Right. Because because everybody's like going out and like throwing everything on their MasterCard or Visa and then piling up racks of debt. Yep. It's like, you can start small and do this right without yeah. going into debt. You're right. Um, dollar stores are, are great for certain supplies. Yes. There's certain things that you should spend money on. Um, the Berkey. I love my Berkey. I have, I, I have my, I, we've had a Berkey here for, it's funny. We just had to, we just had to replace the black filters in our Berkey like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Because I was cleaning out the Berkey and it rolled off the counter, and broke the black filters. Oh man! Um, and then, fortunately, I had my old black filters that I had before, mm -hmm. so I at least put them back in, and right. they're slow. But, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, we love our Berkey because it, it's never been the best. It, uh, it that has been the best tasting water I've ever had. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Period. I love it. I cook with it. Like I just put water. Just if I have to cook, I rather just cook. Everything goes through the Berkey for us. I agree. I mean, if you can get anything, get you a Berkey because it yeah. is worth it. Yeah. Like when I go to Shot Show, I don't have it down here, but when I go to Shot Show, I have one of the little sport Berkey bottles. Yeah, I see those. It goes with me. Um, That's good. And it's so funny because when everybody's walking around Shot Show and they're paying like three dollars for a you know a little bottle of water, mm -hmm. I just go right up to a faucet and fill mine up because I could care less because I got that black filter in there that just filters just about everything out you just so you're getting that <laughs> right now because <laughs> I, I will tell you the one thing i don't like about it okay. it leaks uh dang it, it. Does, it it leaks okay. um and that's annoying you got to keep that thing straight up i wish they'd come up with a, a better way of doing that but mm -hmm. even then it's still i have my murky filter that goes with me Absolutely. It makes sense. You save a lot of money. You know, you might spend a lot of money at that time, but in the long run, you'll end up saving money. I, I don't, I actually don't think they're all that expensive either. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember. Crap. I can't remember what it was, but I, it wasn't like, Oh my God. Right. Um, I mean, it was more expensive than a filter than a, than, you know, like a, a Brita or right. those ones that do for taste. I mean, right. these Berkey's filter, crap out of it <laughs> i mean you're getting some i mean they water you're getting clean water coming through that and it tastes great that's that's like the best part of it yeah 
we have because we have the black filters and then we have the the fluoride filters on the bottom of mm -hmm. the black ones that you replace every year um because the fluoride filters also filter out uh arsenic mm -hmm. now being here in montana there's a lot of mining mm -hmm. and there is there it's very small trace amounts of arsenic but there is arsenic in our water but okay. still even a trace amount you don't want to drink you don't want to drink arsenic right what's here you don't want to like no i don't want that yeah Great. So, so anyways, Chat GPT came up with assess your risks, mm -hmm. make a plan, mm -hmm. stock up on supplies, learn new skills. Oh, that's my journey right now. That, yes, right. Because I mean, that's the thing. It, it what's so funny is you're, if you've never been a prepper before, you're learning new skills. Period. Absolutely. <laughs> you're going you're going down that route. You are learning the entire time. Yes. You never stop learning with prepping. It's always no. something new. Yeah. Always something new. It's it it all depends on where you live, you know, your household. You, different people have different issues going on. So you kind of prep for that. It's so personal prepping. Take your time. Well, and, everything. and that's the thing, is that there there's no right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always, it depends. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it depends. And, and it's, it's so infuriating when you first start, like, yeah. I just want someone to tell me what to do. I can't, that's, it's your life, not mine. Right. What are you preparing for? I don't know. What should I prepare for? What have you assessed your risk? What is your risk? You know? Mm -hmm. um, but it's funny. You're talking about how it's different for different people because the third yeah. question I asked it, Mm -hmm. is what's the difference between an, uh, from being an urban prepper and a rural prepper? Oh, and, okay. and yeah. what it came up with was situation, basically, mm -hmm. right? If you're a rural prepper, you're not really worried about a riot. <laughs> no, you are. <laughs> you're really not worried about a riot in rural. If you have a riot and you're out right. in rural. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, and that's basically where it came up with is, you know, they're talking about, uh, in, in urban would be power outages, water supply disruption, civil unrest, and terrorist attacks, mm -hmm. which is funny because as a rural prepper, you're still worried about water, power. You're still worried about that. You're just not worried about that civil unrest and terrorist attacks. Absolutely. Um, That's true. But yeah, it's, it's funny how you, when you start talking about this stuff and talk about these journeys, mm -hmm. um, you know, I know from, from, you know, my wife and I, we were very open about, uh, you know, we were massively in debt. We, I mean, when we moved to Montana, we were used to a certain salary that just didn't exist here. Okay. But we lived there. So we met, we mounted a whole massive amount of debt. And then one day we just, we're like, we were out of money. We couldn't put money anywhere else. Right. Mm -hmm. So we had to pay that. We, we paid everything off. And that's really where we started, you know, preparing. I mean, we've always had a garden. Uh, we've made, you know, even when we lived in the East Coast, we still had a little garden. We made tomatoes, you know, tomatoes. Living here, my garden's over 1,600 square feet. Wow. Um, we can, right? We, we can't because two people, which is a 1,600 foot garden, um, that's a lot of food. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yes. So we so we can uh, you know we can things. We'll make soups and stuff like that, and then that's what lasts us actually through the winter. 
Um, and that's actually, we save money by doing that. You do. Plus mm -hmm. we start stocking up. Plus you start learning a skill. Yep. Learning a skill. You're eating healthier. Eating healthier. Um, mm -hmm. because everything we, we control everything that goes into the garden. Yes. Um, you know, our garden is, is, it's fully organic. You know, mm -hmm. if, if it's not natural, it's not going in there because we, we that's when we started realizing our food supply and mm -hmm. what we're eating. Yep. Um, it, you know, and then, you know, we've got fruit trees out there and all kinds of stuff. Um, like we're eating, God, we, we, we just finished eating um, an apple pie that we made back in the fall because we froze it. Mm -hmm. And it was our apples. Right. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's great. Yeah, different. But, <laughs> so, so, and the, the the one thing that always annoyed me about you know everybody's like, well, if if the world goes you know goes to hell, I'm going to create a garden. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, they buy those like survival seed banks. I'm going to grow my own food. Like, mm -hmm. do you know how to? Right. Everything is a skill. Like, yeah. got some skills. Definitely. Yeah. And even. It, even if you have a garden, the world changes so quickly. Look at all of the um, railroad developments with these yeah. chemicals in the sky, messes up the water, the soil, even the animals. It's like you can have all of that, and then this happens. <laughs> like, what the and then, yeah, now you're now you're yeah now your food supply. It's it's right. funny. I was reading I was reading an article um, like a week ago here because we've had a couple of train derailments here in Montana. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the train derailments actually was um, the cars had uh, cases of beer in it. Wow. And it was the, along the Clark Fork River, a lot of people float the Clark, Clark Fork River. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about how it's just kind of common where you, you have a beer and you just float along. And this guy just kind of went to shore and grabbed the case right off the shore from the railroad cars. And he <laughs> With floating down with a case of beer. Because <laughs> they talk about every once in a while, you'll find a beer just kind of floating from, it fell off somebody else's raft or whatever. Oh this guy God. just went in and grabbed the case of beer and just kept on going. That <laughs> <laughs> keeps on giving. Right? <laughs> just, just, just imagine opening that beer and how much how much foam came out of it from being shaken up from a derailment. Yes. Can you imagine? I don't know. I wouldn't trust it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, it, it, you know, you bring up that whole thing of, of train derailments. It's weird. I, you know, I don't consider myself an environmentalist, mm -hmm. but I'm very, but, but I'm very concerned about the environment more now, now that I have a garden and mm -hmm. I understand the inputs into my garden, I'm very attuned to changes in Absolutely. environment. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what Purple would do. Like when you start realizing it's basic, simple stuff that we're, we got away from and the more you get back to it the more you become connected with the earth the animals because all of those things you depend on now and you kind of look at them and treat them a little bit differently because they're helping you sustain so you need to make sure that they're okay the the earth the trees you know the soil everything is taken care of it's it's a it's a ride <laughs> it's like going down a rabbit hole <laughs> you're gonna be like yep. Oh, wait, I didn't know about that. <laughs> That's going on. It opens your eyes and it's kind of like, oh, dang. You start becoming a little bit more serious. Like, because your thought processes change. Absolutely. And there's, once you start seeing it, 
you, everything you 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 take it in differently and they're like you know why are you always talking about this stuff for you know I took my sister um, grocery shopping, went together one day and she's like, what are you buying? I was like, this is in case if the water gets turned off yep. or, you know, whatever happens. And she's just looking at me like I'm nuts. A couple months later, her, um, she had an issue with her water pipes and all the water that I had bought in the um, five gallon containers. She's like, we have no water. And I was like, see, this is what I'm talking about. She's this like, is what you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, now she gets it. Now she's like putting things to the side. And I was like, yeah. Just in case, and sometimes you know, when you tell people about prepping, they think it's like, oh, doomsday, the big stuff. No, it's the little stuff. Your power goes out, you know, a hurricane, um, a fire, you lost your job. You don't have to worry about food because you already have some inside here. You know, you just kind of learn to live off of what you have until you find something else. It's just basic common sense living. And this is something that should be taught in schools, I think. Well, it, what's funny is, you know, I, I've talked to people and they're like, I don't get you preppers. You, you know, I, I just don't get it. I'm like, do you realize even FEMA says that you should be able to sustain yourself for 72 hours? Absolutely. Even the federal government says, Hey, be prepared to be on your own for three days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but it, it's funny you bring up, you know, loss of job because mm -hmm. when we started doing our prepare, you know, we, we were paying off debt. Um, you know, we live completely debt free now. It was a lot of pain, but we did it. Mm -hmm. We prepared because the most likely thing that was going to happen was going to be a job loss. Right. And for and a job loss is a disaster. I don't mm -hmm. care who you are. It's a disaster because suddenly your income just goes away. Yeah, that's so it. One day it goes away. Mm -hmm. So that's what our that's where we saw our weakness was. Now, of course, we're still aware of power outages because, mm -hmm. I mean, power outages happen. I mean... You, you can still prepare for stuff like that. But our primary focus was, was job loss. And then I spent 10 months without a job. The, mm -hmm. the company that I worked for eliminated my department. Mm -hmm. And that's when we're sitting there going, you know, we had, we had so much cash stored up. We obviously mm -hmm. we'd want more. We always want more. Right. Mm -hmm. But then we go, okay. You know, when we buy, when we buy our food, we buy, you know, half a cow and a whole hog. And we have that in freezers. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm sitting there going, well, as long as, you know, the power grid doesn't fail, but even if it does, then I got, you know, because I got so much money into these freezers, I have protections for that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we've got food for 18 months. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, when, when you're, when you're out of a job mm -hmm. and you're having corn, and T-bones, mm -hmm. life doesn't suck that bad. I mean, it nope. sucks. It just doesn't suck that bad. Right. <laughs> I agree with you. As long as you can take care of the, as long as you have a roof over your head, some food to eat, and you're alive to make a difference the next day, you're going to be like, medical. Medical medical's a big thing. Yes. I never really paid attention to it Um, in, in this particular, like being more proactive and being able to just do for yourself. You always think you could dial nine one one, and you know somebody comes get you or go to the hospital. All that changed. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you think about it in in a in an emergency, I mean, go, go back to nine eleven. Mm -hmm. The system was so was so flooded with phone calls. Plus, everybody was 
going to the towers, yeah, there's no help. None. <laughs> then they're I mean, all scattered all over the yeah, place. In, in a disaster, you're, you know, I, uh, about a month ago, I had a, a, a lady that was on. We were talking about um, mm -hmm. she was held hostage in her house. Wow. And we were talking about this. She called 911 twice and they didn't answer twice. That's crazy. And, you know, we were talking about that. I go, so basically, you know, she's like, you got to be your, your own first responder. I go, you know, my response was, you got to be your, you got to be prepared to be your only responder. Just put it in your head that you're the first line of defense for everything. You're it. Yeah. <laughs> you're someone it. comes. Yeah. Cause, cause we were talking about police, you know, uh, you know, a cop can radio and get help. Yeah. You've already made your one call. If they answer, you you got to deal with whatever you got to deal with until someone shows up. Absolutely, yep. I know and, that. Well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean that, mm -hmm. and that's where where people that, that's what drives me nuts about people is like they give preppers a bad name. It's like right. you don't understand during an emergency, we're not a drain on the system. No. We're we're just riding that. We're just riding out whatever's happening. Yeah. And then whatever resources need to be somewhere else, mm -hmm. that's where they're at. That's where they're at. There it is. I look at it, you know, I did come across, you know, some channels that were like, um, these people are crazy. They're talking about preppers and um, they're just um, hoarding all this stuff. And I'm like, no, it's not hoarding. They took their time and stockpile these things and they have what they have because they put the effort into it. And when you look at it, Whilst everybody's going to be running around trying to get all these things at the same time in one store who only has, yeah. you know, enough supplies for maybe a week or so because they get it weekly or twice a week, depending on the store. You know, you don't you avoid all of that. You're self-sufficient right now. You can just kind of sit back and be like, OK, what's the next issue going to come behind yeah. us? You know, because when people are going nuts, that's the perfect time to be home. I agree. Stay out of the drama. Stay out of, stay out of the drama. Let, <laughs> let everybody else go nuts and you can just stay home. Go, okay, mm -hmm. now we can ride this out for a few days. There I, mean, it, I mean, even, you know, like I said, even FEMA says three days. Be prepared. At least be prepared for something for three days. Yeah, the bare minimums. Just get you a little gold bag, um, a bug out bag, uh, you know, get home bag, whichever one you choose to do. Keep something with you that can get you from point A to point B if you have to leave. Or whilst everybody's out running around trying to hit the stores, you're fortifying your home, preparing for whatever is yep. going to come down. And you can have your family and you securely where they need to be. But, you know, it, like you said um, prior in our conversation, that you, until you go through something, you don't realize how important it is. Yep. Yeah. yeah and, it's, it's always somebody else's problem. Until it's yours. Until it's yours. So it's knocking at your door or your neighborhood. And no. you're like, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the funny that that's the funny thing about that is that it, you know, uh, you know, I had I, I was at least you know had someone that I talked to right. They they mm -hmm. kind of hinted at things and and they they weren't like you know here you need to do this. They just kind of they led me a little bit right. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like okay, uh, yeah, I get that. I get, and then I get, I get this and then, oh my God, 
the whole world is going to fall apart. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, that's your, that's your awakening moment. It's just like, Oh, wow. Um, you know, you realize it can happen. And then you know, yeah. everybody's like, Hey, it can't happen. I, it, it's happened. It's, it's happened. It's happening. It's happening right in front of us. It might not be like in our neck of the woods right now, but if you, when you watch the news or you just, you do, on social media and people throw up little clips of where they're at, particularly what's going on there. It's like, yeah, if that can happen there, it can happen right where you're at. And you should be prepared for that. You know, it's, it's your responsibility to make sure that you maintain whatever's coming through. So stocking a few extra cans of, you know, food items, medical supplies, things that you need. It relieves a lot of anxiety when stuff really goes crazy because they're like, great. Okay. <laughs> we'll let out. <laughs> Let's put that to the front. And, you know, you start moving a little bit differently. You just have more peace of mind. And um, I I wish more people talked about it. Well, I mean, if you think about it, this is what th this is what the country was founded on, right? Mm -hmm. People left another continent to come here, having no idea what to do, right? right? What they're going to run into, mm -hmm. and then having to figure it out and survive. Um, these are, like you said earlier, these are skills that we've 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 lost or we lost touch with. Absolutely. Um, you know, when I I think about when we started doing canning, mm -hmm. and I'm like, man, I would I would absolutely kill to sit there and talk to my grandma about this stuff. I agree. Yeah. Right. But that that opportunity was long gone. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, if anything, I'd kill to have her applesauce recipe because she used to make applesauce. She lived in upstate New York. She mm -hmm. made applesauce and canned applesauce. Wow. Like, just to have that applesauce recipe, I would have killed for it, yet alone knowing how to do it. <laughs> right. It's, it's crazy. Because my grandmother's only, I never understood why she collected all, you know, the jelly jars, the yep. smokers. So she always collected every glass jar you could think of. And she always had stuff that she made. She put it in there. And it would last for like a long time. I'm like, this is so right, you're, kid, you're like, <laughs> yeah. but you can just go to the store and get that. <laughs> like, no, she would keep it in like Christmas time and stuff like that. She'll give it away to friends because it was stuff that from her country where she came from that, um, you know, they don't normally get. So she would give it away and people would just love it. But I, I never understood it. And back to the women thing, a lot of the ways of your grandmothers and grandparents they did a lot of prepping and we just didn't realize it was prepping we just thought it was like exactly that's what old people do you know? <laughs> yeah exactly that was life that was just life i mean you think about you know i think about my grandparents yeah. um you know they grew up they, they were kids during the depression yeah mm -hmm. you know going into going into world war ii as young adults and and fighting in a war there's a lot of things, there's a lot of knowledge in that generation that is lost. Mm -hmm. Like that was, and that was a lot of the old ways of doing things. Absolutely. I wish I can just have like one day with my grandmother and a camera. Right. Video right. recording everything. Yeah, just record it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, I've got you for 24 hours and we're talking straight. Right. <laughs> no bathroom breaks. I do get this done. <laughs> I would kill for that right now. So if you have your grandparents, sit down. Put them on videotape, ask them just questions. How do you do this? You know, how do you get that? Or, you know, how did you make this? 
so you can have it. You can pass it down to your kids and kind of keep your your culture and your your you know family. Uh, what do what do you call them? Traditions alive. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I sit there and think about um, like my wife. She makes soap. Nice. And you know, it's it's a hobby thing for her, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's she used to buy you know soap from some uh, soap maker here. Uh-huh. And then she's like, I wonder how you make this stuff, right? If they're doing it, it can't be that hard, right? Right. And then she started doing that. And then uh, I think two weeks ago, we made a bunch of soap. We spent we spent the weekend just, or uh, we sent, it was a Sunday. We just made soap. And it's, beautiful. It, mm-hmm. it's weird thinking about how soap is made. I mean, something as stupid as soap. Right. right? But, uh-huh. But yeah, you still got to be clean, right? You still have to clean yourself. I mean, part of part of getting through whatever's going on is staying clean, staying Same. healthy. Yep, very important. Uh, mm-hmm. Very important. I mean, you know, we because I remember just you know weekends of us trying things that didn't work and mm-hmm. or try this and it kind of worked, but not right. And then finally, we just we just <laughs> we had this whole thing down. It, it's we laugh about. Um, canning i mean i remember the first time we canned she was cutting everything by hand right uh-huh. we didn't have a food processor okay and then and we're like she's like we're never doing this again i go no we're gonna get a food processor mm-hmm. and then thinking about if we had you know if we ever had to do this our garden was way smaller back then okay if we had to do this by hand it's an entire family doing that there's no way that one or two people are doing this Right. See, probably could be fun. You could have like a cannon party. I know, um, yeah. like Sophia B. This is another YouTuber that like, she has cannon parties, right? Um, TT Canning, she does it too. And when I first saw canning, I was like, oh wow, that's that's kind of it's kind of great, you know. You just make your own food and you put it all together, and then. But I was scared to do it because I thought it would blow up. <laughs> I was like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, it's it's getting over, you know. When we first started, it was water bath, right? right? So we started off with water bath. And then it's like, you were the same way. It's like, how does the pressure, you, you start thinking that. And then a couple of years later, we we ditched water bath to go pressure canning. Right. Because now we're starting to make like soups and stews and things like that, uh-huh. which you need the, the pressure to get right. the heat up to kill all the stuff in it and all this stuff. But then we're like, neither one of us grew up with a pressure canner or with a pressure cooker and everything stuck in our head was pressure cookers blowing up and, you know, the food, you know, dinners on the ceiling and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> right? And right. So that that's what's in our mind. But then you start learning that are these modern pressure canners are a lot more safer and, you know, right. and, and, and if it blew up, they probably did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Getting over that fear. Fear of and it. then, and then, getting over that fear of, am I going to kill myself? Right, because I because I canned this thing wrong. The botulism that had me going. Yeah, am I? <laughs> I could just see the headline in the local newspaper of you know local prepper kill themselves with botulism. Right, that's all you need. One one wildfire, all, one flame yeah. starts a fire. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's just funny. It's funny thinking about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, those are all things that we had, you know, I had to relearn or I could have just asked my grandparents. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. They passed away years ago. Right. So, uh, <laughs> you know, 
Um, so I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Now, usually with prepping, typically there's guns. Yes. So what came, what came first? Prepping or the gun? Actually, guns came first. Riley. I'm sorry. my. <laughs> that's, you see, that's your advanced doorbell right there. Yeah, but I don't that's, know. that's what we have with our with our dogs. We call them our advanced doorbell because they'll let us know when someone's in the driveway before they get to the front door. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> he wants to go. Yeah. He's getting for one second. Yep. Okay. Was it the prepping or the gun first? Chicken okay. or the egg? Right. Well, for me, it was actually firearms. I just didn't realize the importance of it. I don't always knew the importance of it, but in my um professional life <laughs> in my personal life i was like eh, you know <laughs> it is what it is i'm not really gonna worry that, too that just happens over there i don't need it here right, right? even though <laughs> you know even though where i lived it, you know it was a lot of stuff going on but however it was home so i you know it really didn't phase me too much but uh i had one i carried one it wasn't until um george floyd Everything went crazy, <laughs> like the unrest. I was like, this is nuts. <laughs> I'm going to have to <laughs> get my life together here and uh, protect myself. And then, you know, when you look at all the things that's going on, single, living by yourself. Um, I moved from where I was, new place. And you're like, you really don't know the people like that. So it became a little bit more important to me to um, be able to defend myself. And that's where the guns came in. Um, I met a few people that were in the two-way world, and they introduced me just to a whole new way of looking at firearms, from building them to, to the customization, you know, lights, triggers, everything. I'm like, what? <laughs> this is a lot. Yeah, because it, it's funny because it's almost like prepping yeah, all it, over again, right? Uh, only for you, that you know, prepping was almost like learning firearms. You know, right. it's like... <laughs> oh my god there's there's this whole other world out there yes yeah you know? yes is it streamlight or olight or is it you know do i do a laser do i do you know do i make my own is it a palmer 80 is it a <laughs> you know is it a p320 do i make an you just you just start, start going down those rabbit holes of mm -hmm. there's a whole new world that you had no idea was there I didn't. I didn't even know that um, you can, like, I didn't even know you could build your own until, so wait, you guys can build your own guns. It was, Is that illegal? <laughs> I said, like, you can do that? They were like, yeah, you can do this. I was like, wow. So it really opened up um, my eyes to a lot of different things. And then there's, it's not just the defense part, there's the um, sportsmanship of it, the competition part of it. You know, just like so many people have found um like their little niche of people or hunters. There's so many different yep. things that stem from firearms that uh, I just enjoy watching it and learning and hopefully being able to learn more. So, yeah. What? And that's the, th the funny thing about firearms and prepping is the same way. When you get into the communities, mm -hmm. really, unless you're an a-hole. Yeah. <laughs> everyone is just like, hey, this is great having you. Right. Yes, come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, when I had uh, Tony Simon on um, months ago, Tony had me cracking up so hard because you know Tony's over in Jersey, right? Mm -hmm. and, and when he's talking about no, this is guy who was in the Marine Corps, right? Right. He's he comes back and he's like, hey, you know, I kind of want to get into guns, and 
and he he searches and he the first thing he runs into is a cowboy action shooting he's like yeah. cool right so he goes so i there i go i jump it he goes i jump in my cadillac go to go out in the middle of new jersey with a bunch of white people with guns and right. nobody knows where i'm at right Right. I, it, it, and just the way that Tony tells stories just is so funny. <laughs> right. Great. And then he goes, so I'm out in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of white people with guns. Mm-hmm. And he goes, they were like, come on in, let's go shooting. Let's have some fun. And he goes, it's he, he's just he's just funny the way he talks about that yeah. story. And it's just like, but that's the community, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like we're so happy to have someone new show up and learn something. Learn. I mean, even, even people who've been, you know, I was, I started shooting, gosh, I when I was like seven or eight. Nice. Um, nice. <laughs> I started young. And um, so, gosh, well, I was, I'm thinking of a, a particular picture of me as a kid. So I had my left arm in a cast, and that would have been sixth grade. And I was shooting a three fifty seven, mm-hmm. knowing that I was shooting twenty twos before that. So I mean, this is going back. Yeah, it's going back. <laughs> it's go, going back a few years. But right. you know, if, you know, even then, I didn't start doing competition shooting till I turned twenty one. Well, um, when I turned twenty one, I bought a Glock, and inside the the little Tupperware thing was this thing for GSSF, and that's how I started. You know, I there's these whole new worlds that just open up to you. When I went to my first shoot, everybody was great about it. You know, yeah. um, you get into this firearms community, people are just they they want you there. They want you there, and um, that's what the whole amendment to two A amendment, the two A period. They don't just teach you about guns; they teach you about the laws and why changing the laws is not a good or bad thing. Of course, you're going to form your own opinion, and um, it's really needed because where I'm from. Um, we're not taught to have firearms. We're not given firearms and taught to go out and hunt and things like that. Whenever you see one of us with a firearm, it's a negative connotation attached to it. It's, you know, you're up to no good. You're doing something you shouldn't be doing. You know, it's illegal. Just owning one, <laughs> not even owning it. You yeah. just, when, you know, you didn't go through the proper channels to get one the correct way. And that's not something that's taught from, you know, where I'm from. So to walk into it and see and see it and um realize that this is everybody's right to have to defend themselves, <laughs> like yep. that needs to be driven home. That you have to change a culture of thinking. Oh, okay, you have to change the culture that was taught that this is wrong to being like this is your right. Well, you should exercise that. You know, I I think back to when I first. Um, when I first started carrying a firearm, so mm-hmm. I, I remember getting my my permit here in Montana. Mm-hmm. It's weird. The <laughs> first time you start carrying a gun, mm-hmm. it's weird. Yeah, because because you're like now you got something that you feel that's on you, and then you're like, yeah. do they know? Does that person know? Do they know? <laughs> you're, right. you, you're like starting to, you start having a little bit of a mm-hmm. of a paranoia going on mm-hmm. until you build that habit of. You know, this is normal. And quite frankly, you know, the laws here in Montana back then were as long as you weren't in the city, it was okay. Right. <laughs> as mm-hmm. long as as long as you were outside of a, of an incorporated city limits, you could conceal carry. No one cared. 
Right. You can open carry. Um, you you could put that gun right on the front seat and drive right down the highway, get pulled over by a cop. There's not a damn thing they could do to you because That's there's no balls broken. <laughs> but it's, it's weird exercising that right for the first time. Absolutely. And if you never even knew that you had that right, like when you first hear somebody talk about it, you're like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You're crazy. You're not doing that. You're crazy. They don't even want to hear all of that. But at the end of the day, it's it's good to see more people talking about it and having conversations about it because it needs to trickle over um, whatever your choice is to do. It, again, that's your choice. However, it is your right to protect yourself and your family. Yeah. And once you have your training behind you and it's legally done and once you do all of the training and everything else and you understand the responsibility that comes with owning a firearm, even down to having a safe in your home to protect you, your children, you know, from, you know, kids are curious creatures. So at the end of the day, as long as you follow the guidelines and do what you're supposed to do, you can peace of mind owning that to have your peace with you <laughs> and keep your peace. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah keep your peace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is, um, it's funny because, um, you know, I, my big advocacy is, you know, is responsible firearm ownership. Absolutely. I, agree. I don't care. You, I don't care who you are. If whether you choose to exercise this right or not, mm -hmm. I, I don't care. But if you do, yeah. I want you to do it responsibly. And if you don't, I don't want you to try to take that away from me either. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's your right. Use it or not. You know, Mm -hmm. it's up to you to, to exercise your rights. Right. But, and that's, that's the thing is, is responsibility. It's understanding that, you know, one of the things, and I've talked about this a lot on the show is we talk about going through the pandemic and we have, you know, 5 million new fire. We always heard this 5 million, right? right. Um, it might be more, might be a lot more. I doubt it's less, but anyways, you get these people like, I need, suddenly they wake up. I need protection. They buy the gun. They got their token box of bullets and that's mm -hmm. it. That's it. You're a firearm owner. You're not a, you're not necessarily a responsible firearm owner. Nope. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know yet. You don't, you don't know how to break your gun down, clean it for proper maintenance. You know, you know, you have to understand your caliber, you know, what it could take, what it can't take, how you hold it, how you carry it. Having a holster is a, a very important thing that you should have done just throw it in your pants or your, you know, your jacket. Yeah. Right. Well, well, I mean, well, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, go through the lethal weapon movies. Well, yeah. Gibson just stuck it in his back of his, you know, back of his pants the whole time. Right. I can do that. No, you can't. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> yeah. don't do that. <laughs> exactly. With music videos, you just see people just, you know, holding it incorrectly and, it's glorified in a negative way instead of glorifying it the proper way. So it's, I love when I see new channels pop up because it means people are talking. It's more people are going to get to see that whatever audience they bring in, they're going to teach that. Hopefully they teach that, you know? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold down the two way. Don't let it go. Y'all. Don't let it go. Yeah. No. Cause once you lose those rights, they don't come back. Yeah. Once you give it up as a wrap. So don't like, there's a reason why that's in there. So you know, utilize it. And I mean, there's a lot of history that you can, history is different for everybody, you know, where you weren't allowed to have a firearm and now you have the opportunity to do so legally and get training. You should pay attention to that and 
you know, support that. What's, you know, uh, what, so one of the sponsors of, of this podcast is Falco Holsters. Those are made in Slovakia. So when I talk to, you know, when I go to shot and I talk to the people at Falco, it's so weird to sit down and talk to them because it's, it's a completely different culture, right? Mm-hmm. Firearms ownership is, is completely different there than it is here. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it's so funny because um, uh, the, the one girl, she, uh, she came to the Puma conference, which was actually here in Montana, mm-hmm. and she got to shoot full auto mm-hmm. while she was here, something she's never going to do in Slovakia, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's so funny um, talking to, or even, you know, talking to people moving around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I moved, I, I grew up outside Philly lived in Maryland, lived in Delaware, um, mm-hmm. came to Montana, and it's a completely different culture here. Yeah. <laughs> right? It, it's, it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's what what is, you know, what, I remember, honestly, I remember the first time I saw a gun in Montana, I was here interviewing for a job. We hadn't even lived here yet. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy walking downtown in Helena with two six guns and a cowboy hat. I mean, no crap, like stereotypical cowboy. Just wow. <laughs> shop, just shopping downtown. Been great. Like, well, uh, that's, and no one cared. That's, no. Right. That was just the way it was. But, yeah. and then, you know, that's the culture here. But if I went back east, the culture is a little different, yes. right? So, um, you know, going back to even, you know, when I see my, my mom in Pennsylvania, I know my concealed carry permit from Montana works there. Right. Um, but then I also need to understand, uh, you know, I'm back in Pennsylvania. It's a different culture, mm-hmm. different laws. Absolutely. Yeah. Different laws. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need to adjust to my surroundings. Yes. <laughs> no different than prepping. <laughs> It's constantly changing, especially if you travel. Even how do you, how you travel with it? Certain places you can have it right there. Certain places has to be separated in your trunk, compartment. Yeah. It's you really have to pay attention and be aware of what's going on. Well, but, it's funny. So you, I remember you say that about travel. Um, mm-hmm. So when I was shooting GSSF matches back when I was twenty one, I was living <laughs> in Maryland. I okay. shot a match at Fort Dix, New Jersey. Oh, Jersey's the worst. Yeah, right. So I had to go through two states to get there, right? I had to go through through Delaware into into New Jersey. And so I'm like reading the laws for for all the states. I knew the I knew the laws in Maryland. So I had to read Delaware's because for for the you know 20 minutes I was in Delaware, still traveling with a firearm. Right. And then New Jersey, and I fi- I finally figured out this is what I'm gonna do. I take my gun apart. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put zip ties through everything. So there's no way this gun's getting put together anytime fast. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lock it up in a case and mm-hmm. I'm going to have that in my trunk, and my ammo in, in the back seat. Right. Awesome. Let me go to my, let me go to my match. I get into New Jersey and I get pulled over. Thanks. And I'm like, and, and you know, the, 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 yeah, I guess the troopers in, in Jersey, he comes up, knocks on the window. He's like, you have a firearm. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not going to lie to the guy. Yeah, I got him. He goes, <laughs> all right, out. Uh, what? You know, I'm like, what's going on? So 
side of the New Jersey Turnpike, pulled over, and the officer's like, uh, "Where is where's the gun?" No, well, it's locked up in the trunk, and you know, pop the trunk, and there's the case, and there's a negotiation about getting into the case. Okay. Um, so we finally we finally settled on an agreement because he wanted my combination. I'm like, "You're not getting my combination." Um, so he opens it up and he starts laughing, closes it, locks the case up. He goes, you're going to the GSSF match, right? I'm like, yeah. How, how did you even know I had a gun? He goes, you have a Glock sticker in the back of your car. <laughs> I'm like, and? yeah. He goes, well, that's, <laughs> it's, you know, he, without saying it was probable cause, because, you know, it's, that's why he got pulled over. You're out of state. You got a sticker. You got a gun sticker in the back of your car. Um, and he goes, he goes, you did really good at studying how to transport a firearm. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. He goes, you missed one law. I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> he goes, yes. no, no fire, no firearms allowed on the New Jersey Turnpike. I'm like, oh wow. crap. Oh crap. <laughs> yeah. That's when you start having that. Whole, you know, oh, I didn't even uh, know. Uh, yeah. That's the one law I missed. <laughs> he goes, get off on that exit and don't come back to Jersey Turnpike. Find another way around. Wow. Like, okay. Thank. Thank you. <laughs> he goes. See it to shoot. He's like, see it to shoot tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> but anyways, I mean, those are the things you got to make sure you understand those laws. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. that was, you know, that was the '90s. God knows what that law is now. You know. I'm definitely gonna look it up though, because I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, did. it's. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I I have no idea. And I have no idea whether he was telling me the truth or not. I just knew that I was pulled over and I had a gun in the car and he was concerned about that gun. Well, you <laughs> <laughs> zip tied everything like yeah. this. Yeah, because that's where he laughed because there's no way this gun's going together. It's, it's obviously a part because the, there's a zip tie through the barrel. There's a zip tie through the frame. There's a zip tie through the slide. Mm-hmm. You're not getting this gun put together, right? There's no way that this gun can be considered offensive right. in, in any way, right? So, right. <laughs> that is crazy, which is nice because so, what if you have to use your firearm? You just well, I wouldn't be using it. Uh, uh, technically, I don't have rights in New Jersey to do to right. do that. Like in an emergency you know? situation, right? Like say you got caught, like your I was <laughs> I was in my early 20s and that was the last mm-hmm. thing on my mind. Right. All I was thinking of was get to my get to my shoot and compete. Right. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Now nowadays it would be completely different. Right. Um nowadays it would be completely different. It's a it's a different mentality. I remember um we went into Wyoming and my wife's like, You, you got your gun on? I'm like, yeah. She's are we allowed to do that? I go, Wyoming does not care. <laughs> Wyoming, <laughs> Wyoming is a strap it on state. Right. Let's say salute you, to Wyoming. You, you got it. Wear it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, and it's like I remember going to Idaho, and mm-hmm. Idaho recognizes our permit. So it, it's it's it. You need to understand the, the differences, the, the, difference. you know, the idiosyncrasies. Absolutely. Like mm-hmm. we pass permitless carry here in Montana, mm-hmm. but we still have we still have concern concealed carry permits, mm-hmm. and with that permit. In Montana, you're allowed to carry certain places that you're not allowed to carry in the permitless carry. 
Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. He's 19 and he's oh, blind. No, yeah, he's blind. So you might fall off. It's okay. all good because our, our dogs are our kids. Yes. We don't, <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. The Rogue Banshee, the, the way we came up with the name of the channel. Okay. Rogue is one of our current dogs. Right. And Banshee is a dog that we used to have uh -huh. that um, she died about two years before, uh, about a year before we got Rogue. Okay. And we swear that Rogue is Banshee reincarnated. So that's how much <laughs> our dogs are our lives that we named the YouTube channel after our dogs. I was wondering how you got that name because it's really yeah. feels like so, Rogue. Some people come up with that and they're just like, I, I don't, I don't, you're a guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You're a guy. Why, why are you a Banshee? Like, um, John Crump teases me about that all the time. Go, you're a guy, and I just, I just go, yeah, but it's, a, it's socially acceptable now to identify right. as a woman. <laughs> it's unisex. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm, I, that means I can go compete in women's basketball, swimming, and everything now. I just got to just throw on a dress and just say, hey. <laughs> the lines are blurred. <laughs> so. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I, I totally get it because our dog, our dogs are lives. I mean, I was telling you before we, we vacation with our dogs. I think um, it's a beautiful thing. We take, we take, our, we take our dogs with us because we, we used to have someone sit at the house uh -huh. and then we're just like, well, you know, we could just take our dogs with us and we know that our dogs are taken care of. And then, Great. you know, we'll just go like hike a state park with our dogs and just have fun. Just have fun with the dogs. They're part of the family. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. we, we call them our children. I call them my fur baby. My oldest there you son go. and him. <laughs> my son gets upset because I'm like, say hi to your brother. He's like, mom. <laughs> 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 He's like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, grew up, I grew up with dogs. I just, Did you? <laughs> yeah, I grew, I grew up with dogs. Um, gosh, I... I'm, I'm thinking back. See, what I asked you before was, was the gun or the prepping. I'm trying to remember, was it the dog or the, or the gun? That's how far <laughs> back I'm going now. Which one was first? Yeah. <laughs> I had so probably around the same time. Yeah, right. I had dogs following me home from school. Just on my way home from school, he's just walking behind me, and I, I snuck him in the house. A week later, my mom found him when I was in school. She's like, what dog is this? <laughs> Wait <laughs> outside. I was like, "Mom," because <laughs> he was like, "I was like, you just put it outside." <laughs> she was like, "Yeah." I was so upset with her, but um, that happened twice in Philly. I used to live um in um 60th Market. Okay, and it's pretty rough area over there. But yeah, he followed me all the way home from school, and I just fell in love with him on the way home from, from um. Just walking. I stopped at the stop sign. He stopped. I walked. He continued walking with me. I was like, I don't know where this dog came from, but okay. And I, so I, we, I love animals. Mm -hmm. We always look at our dogs. Um, like when someone strange is there, mm -hmm. we always take a key off the dog. The dogs know. Right? Okay. <laughs> they, they know if somebody on the other side of that door is just not on the level. Oh, nice. Because like we, we've had, I mean, the, the one dog, Magnum, he, he, he hates everybody. Um, that's him he loves us but man anybody else is like he just goes nuts yeah. but like rogue and then the dogs we had before mm -hmm. um if a dog if we like somebody knocked on the door and one of our dogs we're opening the door and one of the dogs start growling right like, yeah. you're done that door's getting closed 
Does you it... might be in mid-sentence. That door is getting closed. Wow. If the, if the dog doesn't like you, mm-hmm. there's something wrong with you. I agree. So <laughs> I the, agree. The, the dogs, the dogs know. They know. No. Dogs know know people. You know, dog people. <laughs> Absolutely, I love them. Um, my wife used to be a pet sitter, <gasps> and <laughs> she was. Um, and then um, she she got this customer one time, and she's just like, "This customer's like, well, a regular pet sitter can't vi- can't do this visit for us. We need someone else." And you know, so you know, she's doing the initial visit and meet the dogs, and then. And then, uh, like, the lady had to run, like, run in the house real quick for something. Mm-hmm. And then she comes back outside, and my wife's down on the ground playing with this dog. And the lady's like, huh, that's kind of interesting. Because they had, like, four dogs. Okay. And my wife's like, what? She goes, that dog doesn't like anybody. Wow. And, you know, my wife's like, well, she likes, she likes me. And she's mm-hmm. well, yeah. And then it was like, it would also be, it would have been nice if you told me the dog didn't like someone before yeah. I started playing with it, right? But, but um, that other pet sitter lost a customer that day. Yeah. <laughs> because that yeah. dog, like my wife. They know. <laughs> they know, right? They, mm-hmm, they do. They're, they're special creatures. Uh, I don't, no matter what you do to them, the, the loyalty that they have is like, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I've never. You can learn so much from them. I adore them. <laughs> so, so lesson for the audience is, if 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 your spouse or a significant other or somebody else doesn't want a dog, you don't want them. You just approach it a different way. It's a safety issue, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a home, I'm a home alone, and the dogs just know when there's somebody crazy in the other side of the door. <laughs> I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> like, and, then, like, and then you and then you get then you get them into prepping after that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like you gotta be into prepping. <laughs> it's, it's now a requirement. <laughs> Are you into prepping? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dog. Are you into prepping? Yeah. <laughs> Are you a prepper? <laughs> <laughs> they need to add that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, we've been rolling for about an hour. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I'm going to wrap, start wrapping up here with a speed round. Let's go. So the speed round is just a little game we play at the end, just kind of loosen things up. Not that it has been, it, not that we haven't been loose the whole whole podcast, <laughs> but. What a great time. It's going to be four questions of this or that, and then okay. one thinking question. Your first question is mm-hmm. nine millimeter or 45? Ooh, depending on the situation, but I'm going to go with the trusted nine millimeter because that's what I shoot. That's what I know. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the nine. Glock or SIG? Um, going to have to go with Glock. It's just easier. About, to, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, that's fine. Well, you see, it depends on what SIG it is. Right. <laughs> That's why I said Glock. That's the nice thing about a Glock. You pick one up, you know how they all work. Right. <laughs> Instantly, you know how every single model of a Glock works. Mm-hmm. Period. Yep. <laughs> I want it as simple um, as possible if I got to use it. Simple as possible. Yep. So, out on the shooting range, mm-hmm. earplugs or earmuffs? Um, plugs. 
plugs? Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. for for holster, mm-hmm. leather or Kydex? I like the leather. <laughs> ah, I see. I, I do too. I love leather holsters. I like leather. <laughs> I, I love leather. I, I mean, yeah. there's some nice Kydex holsters out there, but yes, I, I just, I, re, I, I, there's just something about the whole thing of, of leather, the, you know, the softness of it, the, the, just everything about it. I agree. And, and then for your thinking question, okay. I'm going to take you into the world's largest warehouse. And inside this warehouse has one of every gun that has ever existed, whether it was production or prototype. And this includes full auto, everything. You name it, if it was ever built and it fired a projectile, it's in this warehouse. And you could have one of those guns. Which one are you walking out with? <laughs> female, you put me in a shoe store. I don't know which one I'm walking out with. <laughs> All of them. Let me see. Um, Everything. Every gun that has ever existed. And I can only pick one. You only pick one, and you're walk, and you're allowed to walk out with it that day, perfectly legal. Oh man. See, this is why it's a thinking question. It- it is a thinking question why I can't carry that group. Well, and, and you see what's going through your head right now. You're, you're, you're having this. You're having this argument between <laughs> the, between. Well, the prepper and you is going take something that's realistic, right? And, and then you're going, but there's full auto there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's, I'm sorry, he's fussing. So That's fine. He, he's good. It's all good. Let me just put him in. Listen, I'm working. You got to do something else right now. Oh. I'm almost done. Like, I'm sorry. That's My good. Is like, um, I can't carry like all this flawed, all this. I don't know. It's, that's a hard one. Um, blah, blah, blah. I can't carry my um, an AR or anything like that all over the place, but I can carry a firearm, even if I hide it. Yikes! That's a good question. Oh yeah, my goodness, yeah, that's hard because it's like because that, that's where you're going through the whole thing of yeah. Do I do I go for what I could use or do I go for something I really want to have? Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Is it just guns? Is it ammo too? Well, you gotta supply your own ammo. Okay, I'm then. giving you the gun. I'm giving you the gun. You gotta supply your own ammo. The ammo and just do, deal with the guns that I had. <laughs> but <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with um, have a nine already. That is hard. Dang. Full now you know why I asked this question last, right? Yeah, this is crazy. It's gonna <laughs> bother me the whole entire day because I'm gonna be like, "No, you should have said this. You should have said that." I uh, <laughs> I've, I've literally had emails that have come like days after the podcast went live, but I want to change my my answer. I'm like, sorry, <laughs> that's so that's what you got. Um, this is gonna well, sound weird, but 
I think I would take the Benelli. I did Which like one? one. Um, shotgun or rifle? The rifle. I have a shotgun already. Right. I have two shotguns. I, no, I, I, the, I would take the shotgun. I'm sorry. Yes, the shotgun. Which one? Which one? Whichever M2, one. I, M3, M4? Which one's the better one? <laughs> it depends on your... Uh, see, it depends. There's your one that's gonna, like, one that goes the furthest out there, what? like long distance, whichever one is that are you one. Are you talking about semi-auto? Or are you talking about over-under? That's the problem when you bring Benelli into it. They got so many shotguns. Right. So can I just leave Benelli and I can email you back which exact one? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you this. Is like it going to be a tactical or is it going to be a tactical? tactical? So you're you're in your like your M2s, M3s, and M4s. We'll just say it's an M4. Let's just go with that. Let's, let's just go for the expensive one. Okay. I'm with it. I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm with it. Yes. That. Yeah. The, the M4. I have, an M2, I have an M2. That's my three-gun shotgun. Okay. But yeah, I, I wouldn't mind an M4. I wouldn't mind upgrading to that M4. The, Benelli, the Benelli's are such great shotguns. Aren't they? Like every time I've watched something on them, um, I don't remember the names. I'm horrible with names. But like you watch the person use, utilizing it and it's like, that. that's like a beautiful gun. It's just. Well, they have a whole inertia system in them. It just, everything about them is just like. Like when you get into those those tactical shotguns, because mm -hmm. um, you can even do the M2, all those M M lines, you can put regular stocks and go hunting with them too. Yeah. But hmm. when you, when you see those things in competition and people are just throwing shells after shell, they're just designed to run. It's like oh it's kind of like it's kind of like a Ferrari, right? You're not right. driving a Ferrari at fifty miles an hour. No, nope. you're yeah. you're. you're, you're you're putting that pedal to the floorboard. Right. As Benelli, that's just what they're designed. They're just designed to run. Yeah. Cause yeah. some damage oh. and do handle business. I like it. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, thank you for joining. Thank so you before for we go, mm -hmm. how do people get in touch with you? Oh, I'm on um, Carbon Q on YouTube. Also, Cover Q on Instagram. Um, I'm working on a few other things, and um, they're not up and running as yet. I took a little bit of time off to take care of my mom, and but I'll be back. I'll be back by the summertime, and there should be some more great content for you guys because I'm also taking some classes. So I'm trying to incorporate all of those into the channel so I can, you know, you know whoever comes across it, hopefully you learn something and. Um, It'll inspire you to do something different or get involved in something that you're not normally used to doing. Yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome. For, for everybody either watching or listening, we'll have we'll have the links down below. So if you're out there <laughs> driving along, you listen on the audio side, don't try to pull over, start writing things down. <laughs> Just come back to the podcast, click the links yeah. down below. <laughs> Carbon, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Vinci. I had a great time. It was an awesome interview. Yeah, I <laughs> had a great time, there. too. <laughs> that last question was great. <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent question. I had a great time talking to Carmen. She's really on the ball with a lot of things, and I really wish you could have seen the before chat and the after chat because we talked about a bunch of things before and after that it really tells you that she's in tune with what's going on. Now for the product of the podcast, it is the Falco Cheetah Holster. Now this is the level two retention holster 
They also make these where they're not level two retention, where, you know, basically they cut off the thumb strap and this becomes a sweat guard, but then they still got this thumb lock right here. Really like this and I'm thinking about trying one of the cheetahs without the level two retention. It's cool. I really like it. One of the things about holsters that lock in, usually you use your index finger to pull the firearm out. But the problem with that is, is that your finger tends to ride along and then goes into the trigger guard as you're drawing it, which could be an intentional fire. Maybe that's some of the P320 problems out there. Maybe not. Who knows? But the one thing I like about this is that you use your thumb. So when you wrap around, it is your thumb that grabs that mechanism and releases the firearm. Definitely go check out the Cheetah holster. I'll have a link down below for you. If you're watching on YouTube, click right there. That is a video about the tools that I use when I build AR uppers. And I really like the lug lock from Real Avid. If you're on any other platform, I'll have a link down below. Make sure you click it and watch that video. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there and look forward to talking to you again soon.